Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. How can children be godly examples? Author Joe Pack answers that in her new book, Scooter Squirrel, Adventures Through the Ten Commandments. Joe is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about what you've written in Scooter Squirrel? Of course. Scooter Squirrel, Adventures Through the Ten Commandments is a charming, informative children's narrative. You know, Corey, there is so much hatred, disrespect, and chaos in our nation, Mm. which most likely began with taught behavior or uncorrected bad behaviors in our children. Scooter Squirrel's grandmother, who has a very loving, honest relationship with her girls, notices some bad behaviors developing and decides it's time to teach them God's Ten Commandments. Now, Scooter was born differently from all the other squirrels in that her tail has seven different colors. Her grandmother explains what each color represents, how the number seven is special in both of their lives, and what that number seven means to God. After learning the Ten Commandments, The four of them form a circle, lifts their hands toward heaven as their grandmother prays a prayer, thanking God for the lessons learned and asks God to use her granddaughters for his glory. Immediately after she finishes praying, the glory of the Lord filled the room and the spirit of the Lord fell upon them. The girls were changed and received special powers from the Lord to help in their service to God. What a wonderful story. Where did the idea for this come from? Well, I tell you, Scooter Squirrel was birthed in my spirit some 30 years ago. Hmm. At the beginning of second or third grade, one of my son's projects was to write a short story. Squirrels were plentiful in our neighborhood, so we decided to write about a squirrel and name him Scooter. I don't know who came up with the name, but this time Scooter is a girl, and back then Scooter was a boy. Did you have an age range of children in mind when you wrote this? Maybe from birth, babies, because I, I know most people read to their babies. I know I did. Mm. On through middle school, Scooter Squirrel is such a, a cutie pie, and Almost everyone loves an adventure. Mm. Plus, there are very colorful illustrations all through the book. Mm. Yeah, the illustrations are so important when it comes to children's books. What was that process like for you? Oh, the, the process was great. This is not my first time writing a book. So the process was great. I went with the same publishing company, Christian Faith, who've been wonderful throughout both of my publications. How long does it take you to write this and then format it for publishing, get the illustrations done, and have it released? Well, once I sat down and and began working diligently on this project, it took me approximately three months to finish it. But the whole process, I would say, took maybe about 
12 months. And do you have more on the way? Have you been thinking about more books to publish? Of course. This is not a one and done for Scooter and her two sisters. We're going to have more life lessons in the future to come. Fantastic. We're looking forward to that. Do you have any advice for the aspiring authors who are listening out there right now? Yes. Don't procrastinate, especially if an idea keeps coming in your spirit over and over. The enemy doesn't want us to do anything good. The hardest part is the starting point. Once you get past that, then it will flow. There's nothing like seeing the final product after a long time of working on it. And what did it feel like when you got that first copy in your hands? So much joy. Mm. So much joy. Like I had been working on a project near and dear to my heart to see it finally manifest into something awesome. I just looked at it and said to God, be the glory. It's awesome. Mm. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this out. The name of the book is Scooter Squirrel, Adventures Through the Ten Commandments. It's written by Joe Pack, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for reading material, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Joe, thank you again for being here tonight. I had a great time learning about Scooter Squirrel. Looking forward to the adventures coming ahead, and really nice time chatting. Thank you. I had a good time also. We're talking about education and the current issues we're facing today. It's all in the new book by Eric Frazier. It's called A New Educational Paradigm, Perspectives on Education. Eric's joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Eric, thank you for joining me. Hey, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Can you tell me all about what you've written about in A New Educational Paradigm? Yes, well, it's about the educational leadership and policy decision-making designed to end the quagmire of stagnant student achievement and ineffective practices by focusing on goals, objectives, activities, and evaluations that enable more effective and efficient practices. It emphasizes accountability and consistent practices on all levels of educational service, from presidential involvement to the secretary of education, governors, mayors, chancellors, school district superintendents, principals, assistant principals, teachers, support personnel, parents, students, and community. By accountability, I mean everyone doing his job for which they are responsible with evaluative measures in place to keep them on track. Additionally, the book discusses a new model for training prospective teachers and the totality of school personnel. It gets deeply into the coronavirus pandemic and its impact on education. It particularly discusses issues connected to distant learning, special education students, homeless students, and students with special needs. Regarding the COVID situation, it goes deeply into the impact of COVID on education. Mm. Also, what the goals are of education and what education is supposed to do and what is the product of education? What is the product? Who is it? Is it the people? Yeah. Okay. What kind of characteristics should they have? Well, it gets into all of that. And the book is written in a discussion format where the writer is having a discussion with the reader and it, it inspires critical thinking as you read through the book. Hmm. So what inspired you to sit down and write the book and get it published? Well, a few things. One was that my mom, who had written a book, of course, years ago, and was not able to get it published. So I've always kept that in my mind uh, all these years since I was a child. So now I feel redemption for her in that respect. And, and the other thing is because of need. 
It's, we need this. We deserve a better educational system, educational thrust, and we need the product of education to be a, a, a better quality. Something that we can look at and say, well, yes, this person was an educated person. This person completed high school, completed college. And we could tell by their actions. Hmm. But how long did it take you to write? It took me seven months, about December of 2020 to June. And then after all that time, how does it feel? What, what's going through your head whenever you get that first copy in your hands? Well, the first thing was relief. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing was that, hey, did I write this? <laughs> <laughs> After thinking of all the books you've held in your hand and you've read and you've seen, mm. now here's one that has your name on it. So uh, it was a little bit astonishing. So uh, that, that, that's good. And also a sense of being able to, uh, feeling like uh, I made a contribution mm. and feeling that I'm on the way to reaching my own personal potential, which is a lifelong uh, endeavor. Absolutely. Have you ever done anything like this? Have you written or published before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've uh, written a a book entitled Writing for a school district. And also I had a column in a number of jazz magazines. I wrote about jazz of the jazz artists. Oh, wow. And uh, I've written for a school district in Florida about music and student achievement, how they go together and help to build higher achievement. And I've written, uh, let's see, uh, publications for the Education Research Information Center, which they call the ERIT file. And those are scholarly writings. Of course, newspapers I've written in and uh, other type of magazines as well. The book is called A New Educational Paradigm, Perspectives on Education. It's written by Eric Frazier and published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and Google Play. Also down the street at your local bookstore. Well, Eric, thank you again for joining me here today. I had a really nice time talking with you. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Suzanne Williams. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. You've got a new book out right now. It's for children, and it's called Super Wendy. Could you tell me about it? Super Wendy is a story of a little girl, about five or six, whose daddy says she's super. And she realizes that although she doesn't have super magical powers or extraordinary strength or anything, she and her friends can do things that are considered super. Children can do their part in the world, too. Mm. What gave you the inspiration to write this? Well, I wrote this 35 years ago Hmm. for our little Wendy. She was such a delight, and I wrote a story just for her. Hmm. Now, 35 years later, she said to me, Mom, you should publish this story. It's cute. (laughs) It's adorable. So I did. Mm. (laughs) And I'm delighted that it has turned out as well as it has. Mm. Is this the first time you've written or published a book? Oh, absolutely. I had no idea I was ever going to publish anything. I'm sure you learned a lot being your first book published. What advice could you give to aspiring authors? Well, I'd say... Decide who your target audience is going to be, and then go. Mm. Just write, write and write and write, and rewrite. Because even with the illustrations in Super Wendy, I still had to go over and over and over. But in the end, the book wrote itself. Mm. Were the illustrations an easy part of the process, or were they challenging? 
Well, this is practically a picture book, and I am no artist, which means my publishers, Christian Faith Publishing, had people set up and they did the illustrations for me. As I chose what they put in and I could say, nope, that I need this to look like this or I need the house on the other side or, you know, I want her hair in ponytails or anything like that. They were very, very helpful. I understand you've used a special font in this book. Could you tell me about that? Yes. I was looking for things that would be useful and helpful and came across this open dyslexic, it's called. The font is generally available. It's created by Abelardo Gonzalez, and I hope I have his name right, but he created it to help dyslexic readers. So I'm hoping that someone who is dyslexic might find it a little bit easier to read. Oh, how fantastic. Now, would you have plans to maybe write another book? Well, we have a son, so maybe. Oftentimes when you're a writer, it also means you love to read. Uh, Would you call yourself an avid reader? I love to read. I don't get to read as much as I'd like, but I do. I love to read. I prefer historical fiction. I am not big on violence or maybe inappropriate language, but I love historical fiction and biographies. It says here Super Wendy is an early reader, children's book, and you also said it was a, a practically a picture book as well. So does that mean it can go from the earliest of readers and up? I think so. I think really the first few times that a reader, an adult, a big older sibling, whatever, I think after a few times of having the book read to a child, they will be able to read it back to the adults. Hmm because there's so few words, and there are so many clues in the illustrations. Now, I understand there are special things in this book, like the red bow that's worn by Super Wendy, and uh, also the, the little dog I see on the cover. Could you go into those things? Well, little Super Wendy and her friends do a lot of good things, like one day they are cleaning up in the park. Towards the end of the story, there's a storm on one night, and the next day, she and her father and the neighbors across the street are cleaning up the trash from the storm and taking dead branches, and she is helping get a dog untangled from the pile of branches. The dog must have run away or something in the middle of the storm. Mm. So she cleans him up and loves on him. The name of the book is Super Wendy. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and it's written by Suzanne Williams. You can pick this up everywhere that you shop for books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Suzanne, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time learning about Super Wendy. Looking forward to more from you. I just had a really nice time talking with you tonight. Thank you, Corey. I enjoyed the conversation. Have you been unconsciously programmed? The book Evolution of Love and Hate is out now by author Paul O. Ross, and it examines that question. I'm really happy that Paul is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Paul, thank you for joining me tonight. It's a pleasure. Can you tell me all about Evolution of Love and Hate? This book really is uh, an essential for our daily lives today as we see what's happening in I thought how best to communicate that, to convey that by other than focusing on the heart, Mm. which is really the issue in our society when we look around, when we see what's happening, 
everything really goes right back to the state of our heart, the emotional, the spiritual side of us. And so that book really was birthed from that thought. Was there anything in particular that gave you the idea to write this and then pursue publishing? I really wanted to share this thought with you because, again, you're seeing things happening around us. And the past couple of years in our world and right here in our own society in the U.S., we can see things unfolding that are very concerning. And we ask ourselves, what is going on? And we scramble for solutions, you know, attending conference and workshops and and just trying to get an answer. And that tells us a lot because it shows us that humanity in general is seeking solutions. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to point to something deeper. and, And most of our solutions, unfortunately, are topical and not really addressing the core issue of what we see happening. And that really emanates from, again, the heart our spiritual, emotional side, how we view things, how we look at life, in total construct. What kinds of readers were you speaking to whenever you wrote this? I wanted to be an author that really focuses on bringing in all types of audience or addressing all types of audience. And, And though I'm deeply grounded in my faith as a Christian, and a believer in Jesus Christ, I wanted to address even the non-believers. And so when I wrote the book, it was from that perspective that, you know, I, I don't want somebody to pick the book up, start reading it in a couple of pages and said, oh, this guy is just a Christian, whatever, trying to promote Christian identity and put the book down. But I want a non-believer to be able to pick the book up and says, you know, I am able to gather so much information from this book even though I'm not a believer. And hopefully, uh, you know, my my thoughts is maybe at the end of reading that book, they will be a believer. Hmm. Have you ever taken anything on like this before? Have you written or published before this? This is my second book, and I, I have one book prior, and very similar in terms of addressing something that was deeply personal to me, looking at life and the surrounding issues and wanting to convey a message to the general public that, listen, you know, Life is really more than what we see on the surface. There's so much more layers that requires and needs to be dug in and researched before we can truly get to meaningful solutions. Well, congratulations on getting your second book out there. Have you had thoughts on maybe a third? I do. There, uh, there's a lot of material and, and thoughts that I'm considering right now. One of the things that I'm hearing back from a lot of people who have already purchased and started reading this most recent book is they wish there were more to it Hmm. and asking me, is there a part two? They want more. And so that was encouraging because as a writer, you never want to bore people. You want to give them a message, but you don't want to do too much where you lose it. And so uh, to get feedback that people are looking for more is good. And so that's where my thoughts are right now. For Evolution of Love and Hate, did that one take you a long time to write and put through the publishing process? You know, I spent about, I would say, a total of about three years, but technically that's about a year and a half because I did take a pause in there. I was uh, relocating from out of state, and for several months I, I kind of put that the material to the side. And once I was back in Colorado, I picked it up and, and started the process over again. And so in fairness, I would say I, I did put together a longer period of time in putting that book together. The name of the book is Evolution of Love and Hate, written by Paul O. Ross. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
and you can find it everywhere that you shop for reading materials, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Paul, thank you again for joining me. I really enjoyed learning about evolution of love and hate and had a really nice time talking. Thank you so much. This was a great opportunity, and I appreciate the time. Right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm joined by author Linda Roberts-Betch. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Great speaking with you today, Linda. Now, you've just released a new book. It's called The Day the Birds Came Calling. This is for children. Uh, could you tell me all about it? Sure. Uh, it's the story of an eight-year-old girl who discovers a bird nest hidden in a wreath on her front door. And typical of eight-year-old girls, she wants to keep this as a, uh, a secret, but then she feels guilty and decides to bring her family in on what's happening with the birds. So basically, the family watches the bird's nest and what happens with the babies and feeding, and they incorporate her little brother into the activities because she feels like since she's the older sister, she should let her little brother help with everything. So the family watches and the kids go to school, talk to their teachers and learn new terminology about birds and see the cycle of raising babies and learn terms related to that. I want the book to be informative and educational. So the family is very protective and respectful of wildlife. And so they do everything they can to avoid disturbing the birds. It's a cute story about the cycle. And I tried to also incorporate technologies. The family has a video camera, for example, in their doorbell. So hmm. the family gets engaged in watching the birds from their doorbell as well. Where did the inspiration for this book come from? Actually, a true story. The little girl in the book is actually me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so one day I, you know, was looking out the front door and saw this movement out there and started paying attention and noticed it was birds building a nest. And so I thought it would just be a cute children's story. And so I got my husband engaged in watching and we told all of our kids and grandchildren about it and they seemed excited. So that's how I got started. Have you ever done anything like this before? Not a children's book. I've written a lot of professional scholarship articles for uh, my business, for, for my career, but I've never done a children's book before, so it's really fun to do something different. Oh, congratulations on getting that out there. Now, this is a little bit new territory for you in that the illustrations play such an important role in this. Uh, what was that like for you? They do. Well, Fulton Books was very supportive with that. I actually was surprised that they allowed me to design what I wanted on each page and even down to the description of the clothes the kids were wearing. Hmm. So I really enjoyed that process, and it was really fun to see the final illustrations and see how well they represented the expressions on the, the kids' faces. They captured that very, very well. So what were you feeling then whenever you got that first physical copy in your hands? Well, elation that the process was mostly finished and not totally completed, but at least I had the book in my hand. I felt very proud of that. And my uh, friends were very excited for me and social media started being a buzz about the book. So that was really exciting and fun and a sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Did this take you a long time to do? Not really. I, as I said, I, I sort of watched the birds and I kept thinking about the story in my head. And to be honest with you, one of the reasons I wrote the book is just to get that story out of my head. I <laughs> thought, well, it's going to be a cute children's book and I'm just going to sit down and write it. 
So I wrote it. And as all authors do, of course, you go back and reread it and rewrite it and reread it and rewrite it and get input from other people. So that was my process. I have some friends who are elementary school teachers, and I pull them in to give me advice about what types of things appeal to children in that age group. Hmm. And would you say that that's the age group, the elementary age children, that this would be best geared toward? Yes, I target it mostly for five to eight-year-olds, but I do have some pre-K children that have read the book, and their parents read it to them, of course, and they loved it. They loved the illustrations, and they liked what the book is all about. Hmm. Do you have any ideas to maybe bring Kiki back for another book or something else? I do. Kiki and Kip, the children in the book, I decided that based on my own personal experience of raising some puppies, Hmm. that that would be fun. And we actually had one of our puppies had some problems, physical problems and feeding problems. And so I would like to have a continuing adventure of Kip and Kiki helping with raising the puppies and what you have to do to make sure that the puppies all survive and find good homes. I think it's just wonderful. You're taking experiences and things from your own life and using that to teach and inspire. The name of the book is The Day the Birds Came Calling, written by Linda Roberts Betch and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Linda, thank you again for joining me. What a wonderful book you've written here. I'm looking forward to what you're doing in the future. I had a great time talking tonight. I enjoyed talking with you as well. Thank you so much. It's a book that says it could change your life and help you win your war. It's called Wisdom for the Trenches, God's Solutions for Life's Challenges. The author is Larry W. Poland, Ph.D., and he's sitting down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Larry, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, it's fun to get to know you and hear more about what you do. Oh, well, it's going to be a lot of fun hearing about this book. Can you tell me all about Wisdom for the Trenches? Well, I'm a real fan as a as a follower of Jesus and a follower of the book. I'm a real fan of the book of Proverbs. I think I probably spent some time devotionally in the book of Proverbs for about, about every day or certainly every week for about 30 years. And I taught the book of Proverbs to a Christian school Bible class for two or three years. And uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. But the book of Proverbs is a tough one to get into if you're just reading Proverbs because it's, it's filled with couplets. And one couplet may be wildly different theme than the next couplet mm-hmm. in the next verse or the verse after that. And so it's a little bit like reading the phone book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Proverbs is a little bit like that. And so it's hard to get the meat of the teaching. And so I taught the uh, book of Proverbs in this sophomore high school class topically put all the verses together that dealt with adultery and all the verses that dealt with whatever finances and uh, taught it that way and it made a lot more sense and i wanted to do it in a way that i could focus on concepts key concepts Hmm. So uh, it's a concept approach to the book of Proverbs, and it's an easy read. The the chapters are short. They're kind of to the point of practicality. I'm a very practical thinking person. And if I can get my handle on some biblical truth that just says, wow, I, I can put that into practice, then that lights my fire. And so wisdom for the trenches, the concept is it's we're in a spiritual war every day. And 
it's really nice to have something that applies to the warfare that I'm in right now and helps me win. I think this is a fantastic idea for a book. You're right, there's so much wisdom in Proverbs, but it seems a little scattered and a little disorganized. It's hard, so I think this is a fantastic concept. Well, this is my 10th book, and I don't write books to sell to sell or to make money, that's for sure. I don't know. Well, I do know a couple of people that have made money writing Christian books, the guys who wrote Left Behind It, okay. You could say so. <laughs> 30 million copies or whatever, but... <laughs> I write books to change lives. Mm. When someone says, you know, your book changed my life, wow, that, that turns my crank. Uh, that, 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 that's, that's exciting because that's the only reason that I really write books is to have an, an impact in, in someone's life and thinking and practice and, and liberation and growth in Christ. Mm. Well, it's fantastic. This is your 10th book. I think that's great. I think it goes without saying that you really enjoy writing. Have you thought about more? Are you going to be writing more? Oh, yeah. I always have a list of at least three books in rank order. Mm. My, my next one has got to be a redo of a book that came out in the 70s that is singularly the most life-changing uh, content I've ever shared, mm. either in lectures form or in book form. It was so transformative that even the lectures that I gave in the, when I used to be on the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ, I created this series of lectures on the Spirit for the Life. And uh, they were so transformative that today, still, this was the 70s, I found out that some of the people that attended those lectures as part of a missionary training have downloaded, or I guess you don't download cassette tapes, but <laughs> they, uh, they played cassette tapes and had them remastered, and they're now have them online. And mm. so I discovered there are people in different languages even around the world that are enjoying and benefiting from the content. Oh, wow. The name of the book is Wisdom for the Trenches, God's Solutions for Life's Challenges. It's written by Larry W. Poland, Ph.D., and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick this up everywhere that you shop for your reading material on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Larry, thanks again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Well, great. I hope it's helpful to your listeners. Right now I'm speaking with author Joyce M. Green here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joyce, welcome to the show. Thank you for speaking with me tonight. Well, thank you for the invitation. Well, it's very nice having you here. You've written a new book. It's out in stores right now. It's called Ride the Wind, the Andy Green Story, Sailor, Engineer, Entrepreneur. This sounds like Andy's life it was truly extraordinary. Can you tell me all about this book? Yes, I'll be happy to. It's a biography about Andy Green, and he's really had an exciting, unique life. As the cover of the book states, he's a sailor, he's an engineer, and an entrepreneur, had his own company. So what gave you the idea or what inspired you to take the life story and write it and publish it? I started out because our grandchildren, I wanted them to really know us. Hmm. So I was going to write a little something. I didn't even know it would be a book, but I was going to write something for them. Hmm. And as I got into it, you know, I think his story is unique and I think it's very exciting. It is exciting. The things he likes are something everybody likes, and we've had ups and downs and blessings and uh, tragedies and <laughs> done a lot of traveling and met a lot of interesting people, and I just wanted to, decided to let everybody know about that. 
Hmm. How long were you working on this? About three months. Have you ever taken anything on like this before? What's your writing and publishing background like? Nothing. This is brand new for me. I'm sure you learned an awful lot. What was the toughest part of the process for you? I suppose the editing, you know, which went on and on and on. But I'm glad that we went through that, and I hope we've gotten all of the errors and things out of the book. Yeah, certainly can be a long process, takes a lot of work, but like you said, definitely worth it because you're going to catch things that you might not have caught the first couple times around. Absolutely. And they're very thorough. Fulton Books did a great job. Mm. Now, what did it feel like after that work? And, and being that this story is so personal to you, uh, what did it feel like whenever you got that first copy in your hands? Well, I was awed. <laughs> mm. And uh, it was exciting and very fulfilling. We have a lot of listeners out here right now who want to write a book. They're aspiring authors. Could you give them any words of wisdom, any advice? Yes, I could tell them this. You must have an inspiration, you know, a subject, something that really turns you on, something you really want to write about. And then once you've gotten into it, you, as Andy says, you just keep on keeping on because there are going to be obstacles and setbacks, mm -hmm. but you've got to have determination. Absolutely. Have you given any thought or consideration to writing more and maybe publishing more books? No, not at this point. Now, oftentimes when you write, that also means that you got a thing for reading, too. Would you call yourself an avid reader? Yes, I would. What sorts of reading do you find yourself going to? Well, I like just about every different genre. Mm -hmm. I like uh, historical, adventure, mysteries, travel, religious, you name it. And I've read Many, many things, um, you know, in all of those venues. That's fantastic that you're so diverse in everything that you're taking in. Now, you said you wrote this book primarily for your grandchildren so that they would know the story and so that they would have something. Were there people in your life who knew that you were writing this book? It's quite a big project to be taken on. So did you have people who could sort of encourage you and motivate you and, and sort of egg you along? Yes. We have, shall I say, a plethora of friends. Wow. Many of them are mentioned in the book, so of course I contacted them. As many of them, some of them are dead now. They're gone. They can't be contacted. But I did contact everyone I could who is in the book and, of course, asked for their permission and what they thought about it. And they were all, without exception, delighted to be included. So it made me feel very good. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Ride the Wind. The Andy Green Story, Sailor, Engineer, Entrepreneur. It's written by Joyce M. Green, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookstore, too. Joyce, thanks again for coming on the show and telling me all about this book and about the significant life of Andy Green. I had a really nice time talking with you. Okay, and I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for the invitation. Author Michael Meyer has a new book in stores. It's a crime thriller. It's titled Exit Strategy. I'm really happy that Michael is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Michael, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Can you tell me about the story you've told in Exit Strategy? Yes, it's kind of a, a crime thriller, if you will. It uh, takes place in uh, communities, in a mythical community, fictional, in Minnesota, suburb south of Minneapolis-St. Paul. 
where an armored car disappears with $50 million after a casino racetrack has their busiest weekend. At the same time, there's another horrendous crime taking place where a school is under siege, which is a problem way too prevalent in our society today. And it turns out that the two are somehow combined. And the FBI, who happened to be mostly ex-military, are now tracking this crime against the perpetrators who also happen to be ex-military. So it kind of delves into the psyche of people who serve and why they serve and, and some of these things and what results is, or what comes as a result of it. Ah, super interesting. Uh, how did the idea for this come about? I always had something along uh, a heist book in the back of my head, and, and so I wanted to do that. And then after being exposed to working in a casino racetrack environment, that seemed like a good setting, you know, not this particular place, but, you know, just in general. And so it just built from there. About how long were you working on it? Wait, <laughs> five years. So the five years I, I, I was doing, I was working full time in the hospitality industry. And if you know anybody who works in the hospitality industry, it's not a nine to five job. It's, you know, right. 60, 70 hours a week, especially in management. Mm. So I tried to do, you know, both at the same time. And I finally, during COVID, had the time to actually finish the one with the publisher, Exit Strategy, and then write the sequel. I was going to ask about that next. Is this your first time writing books, being that you already have the sequel? It is. This is the first, well, it's not my first published work so much as it's my first published manuscript. I've always written for the hospitality industry in terms of, I was in marketing, so I'd create websites, I'd create brochures and write that copy, a lot of copywriting. Hmm. And then also requests for proposals for like baseball stadiums, football stadiums. Our company was in that business. And so I would work on a team to write the response to those proposals so that it could be 100, 200 pages long. So, hmm. uh, And then published works in magazines for the industry here locally and uh, nationally, successful meetings, magazines, stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, fiction writing can be a little bit of a different animal than the nonfiction. So when you went to write this, did you have it outlined from beginning to end? Did you know how you wanted everything to play out or was it more exploring as you went? You know, that's, that's funny you ask that because no, I did not. Okay. Which is, which is a crime because it's exactly what you do when you're answering response to a proposal. No, I had this burning desire to do this story and just started writing it and which was just horrendous. <laughs> and then it took me three years to fix everything that was wrong. You know, just little things that you catch that, you know, are very important to story. Like if a person's a lieutenant, then he's still a lieutenant. He can't be a sergeant later, a captain <laughs> right. or you know, these types of just crazy things. Now, learning from the first one, I do use an outline. And actually, I start with a premise and then go to an outline. And in the outline, each chapter is outlined briefly what I hope to gain from the beginning to the end and then who the main characters are. And, and I've already developed them as part of the premise. So I use that. And that's worked out really, really well. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Exit Strategy, written by Michael Meyer. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find this everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Michael, thanks again for joining me. This sounds like a really, really great read. I'm really happy that we could talk tonight. It's an absolute pleasure, Corey, and uh, I thank you for reaching out. Kids love watching the clouds and using their imaginations. In her new children's book, Clouds, author Anna M. Rogers Artis teaches about what clouds are really all about 
Anna is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Anna, thank you for being here with me tonight. Hi, Corey. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about what you've written with clouds? Well, it was a book about a little girl who just thought she was going to spend a day laying on a blanket under a shady tree just watching the clouds. And as she started watching them, she realized there was more beyond the surface of the clouds. She starts spotting different images in the clouds, and so that's basically what the book is all about. It's about looking beyond. The message is looking beyond the surface. Hmm. I think we can use that in our daily life uh, here, you know, just take the time to look beyond the surface of an individual, someone, to get to know them a little bit more. So the book Clouds just kind of uh, ties into that, gives that message. Did you have an age range of children that you were thinking about when you wrote it? Yes, it was for, uh, I thought it would be a nice book to read to at bedtime for young readers up through K3, I guess. Hmm. You know, like a take-home reader's book, so it can help kids repetitive language in the book. I think it would be helpful for, for kids to learn how to read. Also, it's exciting, and I think it would spark, I don't think a child will be able to walk outside and walk to read the book without looking up, at the, looking up at the sky and watching the clouds and seeing what they can spot in the clouds. Hmm. Was there anything in particular that sparked your inspiration to write this book and then get it published? It was. When I was young, I used to, you know, play outside and every once in a while I'll look up at the sky and, you know, hang out and, you know, playing with my friends out there and we'll say, oh, wow, this looks like, a, that cloud looks like a boot or this cloud looks like a dog. Mm. That was a childhood memory. And then when I started having my family, my daughter at the time was like nine or ten. We were walking across the field to take her to baseball practice. And she looked up and said, Mom, that cloud looks like, you know, she explained what it looked like to her. Hmm. And I just brought back childhood memories, <laughs> which inspired me to write the book. You know, I just thought it would be a good book to write. Hmm. How long were you working on this? Oh, I started this book in actually 2004. Hmm. So it's, it's been a while. You know, life gets in the way. You raise a family, you know, get the kids through college and trying to find some time to devote to it more and tweak it. It was a journey, but it was well worth the journey. I'm pleased with the outcome. Oh, that's wonderful. Is this your first time in the arena of, of writing and publishing? Yes, it is. This is my first book. Wow. Congratulations on getting your first one out there. How did it feel when you got that first copy in your hands? That was so exciting. Hmm. I just couldn't imagine. And then knowing that, you know, now I'm a grandmother and my grandkids, I don't know, my children who are adults now, their children are reading a book. So I can't even put into words how excited and pleased and rewarding this whole experience has been for me. Do you have more books in you? What are the chances of publishing more? Well, I'm thinking about another cloud. This particular one is more about, you know, animals and so forth. I thought about doing other objects, you know, maybe, like I said, a boot and hmm. other type of shapes. So it, it's a thought. It's in process right now. The thought is that I'm working through the process right now. big part of children's books is the illustrations. Can you tell me about that process? Well, I drafted the illustrations. Actually, I used my daughter at the time she was young. I started sketching her. I started in a little bottle of sketch fab book and started sketching it out. And then I reached out to a couple of illustrators to see if they could capture my vision. For me, the biggest focus to me and the main character of the book are the clouds. Hmm. I wanted to look to be clouds and not look exactly like the clouds, like the clip art clouds you see in some of the books. Right. I wanted them so I took pictures of the clouds and gave them to my illustrators and they used the software you could do and kind of sketch out the clouds and kind of make them look more like the natural clouds. Hmm. Yeah, the clouds was the, to me the key character in that book. Do you have any advice that you could offer now to authors who want to publish their first one as well? 
I would say just stick with it. Don't give up. It's going to be worth the journey. It was a learning process. I enjoyed every second of it. And to always follow your dreams. Now, often when you're writing, it, it's just you alone for so long, and it can often become a lonely process. It's helpful if you have people in your life who know you're doing this, and they can kind of motivate you and encourage you along the way. Did you have people like that in your life? Absolutely. My whole entire family. Mm -hmm. And they were so proud when the first draft of the book came out. They knew I was working on it, but I kind of kept it. Again, life gets into in the way. So I was working on it and tweaking and working with the illustrators. So I wasn't keeping them up to date on what was going on. And when the first draft showed up, they were so, you know, it's like, Mom, you did it. And, you you know, you never give up. And that's an inspiration. So they have always encouraged me to keep going with it because they thought it was a good concept. When I pitched it to them, you know, 20 years ago almost. <laughs> the name of the book is Clouds, written by Anna M. Rogers Artis. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can get this everywhere that you pick up your reading material on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Anna, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a nice time finding out about clouds and chatting with you. Thank you so much. Take care. Well, I'd like to welcome here to the Reader House Author Roundtable co-authors Karen and Taylor Ellenbecker, they wrote a new book. It's called My Pillow Has Wings, A True Story of Loss, Love, and Forgiveness. Ladies, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you for asking us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. So uh, can one of you or both of you give me an overview of what the book's all about? So the book is essentially a story about when I was a young girl growing up and just like noticing that I was a lot different than other kids. It deals with big feelings, things like anxiety and empathy, and really, it almost is like a guide for children, how to deal with those emotions, but it's kind of based after personal experiences that I went through when I was younger. It's also, the book is, um, as much as it is for the child who is being read to, it's also about the experiences and the feelings that it brings up and the person who's actually reading it. We realize that there are so many families out there that are dealing with loss of various different kinds, and we really wanted them to feel as if they weren't alone. And certainly for Taylor and I, it brought us closer. And there were so many times when Taylor, as a little girl, missed her mom, and she was having nightmares and feeling really sad. And so one day I just surprised her with bed sheets that looked like clouds and a pillowcase that resembled clouds. And when she went to bed that night, I said, Taylor, this is a magic pillow. And you can go and visit your mom wherever you are. And you can tell her where you are and that you love her. And I still remember Taylor saying, well, Nana, where would she be? And I said, she could be under an apple tree. She could be anywhere. Uh -huh. But you can connect with her. And I think what we realized is that it's such a simple idea to just put your head on your pillow and be able to talk to someone you loved or talk to God and to feel that connection to someone. Oh, how wonderful. So how did the idea for this book come about? How did things happen? Wow. Well, Taylor was visiting me for Thanksgiving in 2018. And when she walked into the house, she was carrying this pillow and pillowcase. And I looked at it and I said, Taylor, that's really well used. And she said, it is, Nana. I ended up washing it in the dryer for her and she ended up leaving it on her way back to Minneapolis. And when I called her and I told her, Taylor, you forgot your pillow. She said, Nana, I've never gone to bed without it. What will I do? 
And so I made a promise to her that I would get it to her the next day. And that morning when I was getting dressed and has been taking a shower, a voice literally came to me and said, everyone who has a loss and is missing someone that they love should have a pillow in a pillowcase. And mm-hmm. so we started together a 5013C. Oh, wow. And it's all history from there. It's just been a, a wonderful project. It's been so healing. So what was it like when it gets down to actually writing the book and putting it together, getting it ready for publication? You were working together on this. What was that like? For me, I'm naturally just so busy. I'm now raising my niece. So I've had more of like an outsider type of helping with my grandma. So she's done most of the heavy lifting here, but it's been a blast. I mean, I get to meet all these new people I've never met. And it's something that has such a strong message behind it. It's really nice to like draw in different people from different backgrounds and every different type of walk in life. And so we've got to hear other people's stories. We've got to share ours. I don't know too much about like the actual publication of everything. My grandma handles that, but more or less, like I've I've had a blast doing it, and it's really fun to just be able to share my story and meet new people and kind of get to see all the drawings and whatnot. It's it's super fun. The name of the book is My Pillow Has Wings: A True Story of Loss, Love, and Forgiveness, co-written by Karen and Taylor Ellenbecker, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Amazon, traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Karen and Taylor, it was truly a blessing talking with you today. I was blessed myself learning about how you're reaching out and helping people and doing all kinds of things to get the message out there. So I had a really nice time talking with you both tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 